welcome tonight's speaker, Tracy. Hi, I'm Tracy. I'm an alcoholic slash heroin addict. Nice to be here. Um, I was going to make a mental note of the time. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's good to be in an HA meeting. I haven't been to one in years, but I know, and I know we're supposed to like see our similarities instead of our differences, but um, there was always something and like still is always something about like meeting uh, a fellow ex-junkie where it's like, okay, like you get me, you know? Um, so yeah, so it's really cool to be an HA and to be able to openly talk about heroin as well because it was a huge part of my story. Um, so my sobriety date is May 14th, 2016, which is, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I know, it's, it's crazy. Oh, am I allowed to curse? Okay, cool. <laughs> I know, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't ask. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, so that's fucking crazy. Like, I really just, like, for years did not think that I would ever be able to stop doing heroin. Um, I, uh... Yeah, so in a few weeks, God willing, I'll be taking six years, which, again, is insane. Um, so, yeah, so I guess we will just start. Uh, so I grew up in, you know, before I ever picked up drugs or alcohol, that was when I was 13. That was when I, like, first started partying. Uh, but before that, it's like I still just always felt very different. Um, I felt like I, I didn't fit in. Uh, I was kind of like that friend in the friend group that was like the butt of the joke or like the friend that was made fun of. Um, and I did just kind of feel like I was like missing something that all the other kids had. And uh, I didn't really know why. And so, you know, I emphasize that because, you know, I think that this, uh, this thing, this ism in me uh, was there before I ever picked up drugs and alcohol. It's like there was something wrong with me and what drugs and alcohol did was like fix that part of me. Um, so yeah, 13, started smoking weed, started drinking. Um, and at that point, it was funny because I did like dare and you know, I had, <laughs> I know we all know how well dare works. Um, but you know, at the time when I was in fifth grade, I was like, oh, I'm never doing drugs. I'm never going to drink. Um, I remember like seventh grade health class and like learning about like angel dust and like all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to do that. And firsthand, my dad, you know, was a really, really gnarly alcoholic. So, you know, I kind of saw how, like, alcoholism, addiction, how that just, like, hurt families and hurt people. Um, but, you know, at 13, I was like, fuck that. I'm, I'm going to try this stuff. And so, you know, it progressed by the time I was, like, 15, 16. I was doing hard drugs. Uh, I got on heroin. And, um, you know, I remember this moment when I was, like, 17. Uh, that I kind of, I don't want to call it a spiritual awakening because I feel like that's like a result of the steps, uh, but it was this like moment of clarity when I kind of was able to objectively like step outside of myself and see like, like, oh my gosh, I'm like 17 years old and I'm just like a human pincushion. I was like trying to shoot up and I was failing <laughs> miserably um, and just like so desperate and I was just like, what the fuck, like what happened um, that I like ended up here? Uh, and so that prompted me to 
try to get off heroin. <laughs> um, I ended up getting on Suboxone. I was on that for three years. I was introduced to the rooms, but like I still didn't really want to get sober. Like I kind of just like wanted to stop doing heroin. Um, and so that, uh, so yeah, I didn't really try. I was still smoking weed, still, you know, doing that. And meanwhile, uh, my dad got like wet brain, and so he was hospitalized for almost a year. Um, at this point, my mom, you know, was deep in her alcoholism, and my siblings, and so it was kind of like, I was able to always kind of compare myself to people around me and was like, well, I'm not as bad as them. Like, you know, I'm not in the hospital with like a melting brain right now and I'm not, you know, uh, a mother, you know, that's a huge alcoholic or whatever. It's like I was always able to um, be like, I'm not that bad. I'm good. I can keep doing this. Um, and so fast forward, once I uh, tried to get off Suboxone when I was 20, um, I didn't want to get back on opiates, so I just started drinking very heavily. And so that was kind of like, like, okay, it's not so much about like what the substance is, it's just like, you know, anything. Like, I just want more of anything. Um, and so uh, when I was 21, so it's a year later, uh, my dad and I both overdosed in the same night. Um, and it's so sad because it was like the closest, like that night was the closest I had felt to my dad in years. And it's like, I know. And that's the cool thing about <laughs> uh, being in the rooms is like, yeah, we can laugh at that because it is like, that's like how, you know. But if I were to tell someone else that, they would just be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I just wouldn't tell them that. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was just like, you know. I don't know. It's like that's how I bonded with my family. That's how um, I felt like a part of something. And so, you know, a month later, uh, you know, my dad died of an overdose. And I just felt like that was all my fault. Um, and that, like, that following year, I just, I, it was a blackout. Like, I don't really remember anything. Um, I mean, in therapy. Stuff has come up in therapy about what happened that year. But I will take that to my grave. Um, but so then by the time I was 22, I, um, you know, I had overdosed multiple times. I had gotten into car accidents. I had copped a bunch of charges. Um, and so I inevitably ended up in jail. And uh, if you can tell, um, I don't, I mean, I'm not the jailbird type. Um, I don't know. I was, uh, you know, I, I was terrified of jail. Like I wasn't afraid of, um, overdosing. I wasn't afraid of dying. I wasn't afraid of being sick. I wasn't afraid of like hurting everyone I loved, but for some reason, uh, being in jail scared the shit out of me. And, um, I remember when I was in there, I had been in rehab like a month prior to this. And there was a woman that I was in rehab with that, uh, came to jail as well. And I remember telling her like, Hey, like, I don't want to get sober. Like I, you know, I love my life, <laughs> whatever, whatever life that was. I love my life. Um, I don't want to change. I'm like terrified. I don't know who I am. I mean, at this, I wasn't saying this stuff cause I really didn't have that clarity at the time, but, but I was telling her like, yeah, I don't want to get sober. Um, but, you know, kind of like in retrospect, I think it was like, yeah, I was terrified of change. I didn't know who I was. Um, I hadn't known me without drugs and alcohol uh, since I was 13. And like, who even are we when we're 13? Um, so, so, yeah, I was just so scared. And she, or, you know, scared, but also resistant. 
Um, and she was like, okay, yeah, like you don't want to get sober, you won't. Like just, but look around you, like this is going to be your life. And I don't know why, but at that moment, it just hit me like a ton of bricks where I was like, I don't want to do this. I, you know, I, I don't want to just be in and out, like around the ringer, trying to get money, trying to not be sick, trying to, you know, whatever. I mean, you know how it is. It's like five full-time jobs being a heroin addict, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah. So I was like, all right, my plan was, was to get my nose clean, stay, you know, get off paper, uh, give, give like being sober a chance, just kind of go through the motions of, you know, I was mandated to rehab and to, um, like a halfway house or sober living, um, in the East coast, we say halfway house. But, uh, so I was like, all right, like heroin isn't going anywhere, you know, like I'll be able to go back to it if I really want to, like I can at least, um, just, yeah, just kind of try not to go back to jail for a while. Uh, and so, yeah, I did that. I went into the sober living. I started following the girls around, started going to meetings. Um, I got a sponsor, started working some steps, <laughs> not all of them. And um, throughout that time sober, I, um, you know, I, did, I was on my fourth step. I sat on that for months. Um, but, you know, during that time, it was like my mom had overdosed, my older brother had overdosed, and then my younger brother had died. And so this had all happened when I was sober. And so um, I was able to like be present and be there for my family, but it gave me this like um, unrealistic sense of cockiness where I was like, okay, like I can stay sober through that stuff. Like I can stay sober through anything. I don't need to do AA, NA, HA. I don't need to do any of that stuff. I can just, you know, live my life. Uh, I've gotten through that. This is going to be a cakewalk. Um, and yeah, like nine months later, I relapsed. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that didn't work out. Um, and, you know, from there it was like, uh, you know, what they, I'm sure you've all heard the, the phrase. It's like a, a head full of a-A-H-A-N-A, -A, a belly full of heroin, alcohol, <laughs> benzos, whatever you, whatever you have. Um, it just doesn't work. And so like the moment that I relapsed, uh, I just was, I instantly regretted it. And it was like, I was just immediately filled with guilt and shame and um, which kind of kept me out. But like, it was ruined. Like I was like, I, would, I remember um, before getting, you know, my last run, I remember I like had drugs like I had heroin and I was crying because I knew that I was gonna it was gonna be gone in a matter of you know maybe 12 hours and uh, and then I would have to figure out how to get more it's like no matter how much I had I still knew that um, I was like in this prison um, and so so yeah so it was like every month throughout that 10 month run that I had um, I like went into detox to try to dry out, but I just kind of kept doing it the same way I did it that first time around. Um, and, you know, overdosed a few more times, all of that. And so it was, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I had a friend that came out here and I just on a whim, like called her and just said, hey, like how, how did you go across the country to rehab? Because I need to do that. Um, and so I did, maybe through insurance fraud, who knows? I'm not, I honestly don't know to this day, um, but I, whatever, I made it here. I ended up, you know, in rehab and, um, you know, and I just stuck to it. And that gift of desperation, that was like, that was the huge difference this time around. The gift of desperation and 
just being honest. You know, it's like I took suggestion as much as I could, um, but when I wasn't willing to take suggestion immediately, I was honest about it, <laughs> you know? Because sometimes, sometimes we, it's hard to take all the suggestions. Um, but so, yeah, so I came out here, I got a sponsor right away, um, I got a home group, I found a group of friends, and I just followed them around. And, you know, uh, friendships with women, that took a little bit longer because, you know, tale as old as time, I was a guy's girl, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and it's hard. But it, those are my more meaningful friendships now. Uh, so, you know, it's, it takes more time to, to build those. Um, but, yeah, I just I found people that had more time sober than me um, and that were doing this and seemed happy and had what I wanted. And I kind of just did what they did. Just, you know, monkey see, monkey do type of thing. Um, and so, yeah. And, uh, you know, I started working the steps right away. So, like, you know, step one, definitely the hardest step. But um, I had proved to myself time and time again that my life was utterly unmanageable <laughs> and that, uh, you know, I was totally powerless over any substance I put in my body. I mean, I was powerless over a lot of things, um, but, you know, especially that. Um, so, so that was kind of how I worked step one. Uh, step two... I feel like was the rooms, you know, it was, I mean, I, I came in um, with, you know, uh, a very specific idea of God, which helped a lot. Um, but, you know, it was also, yeah, being in these rooms and seeing people that, you know, people like me for, you know, any of you newcomers out there now where it's like they're telling their story and saying, you know, pretty much telling my story and somehow, some way they have years sober, um, you know, that, that was that like uh, restoration to, to sanity. Where I was like, okay, if that person can be restored to sanity, then like hopefully I can be too. Um, so like truly believing in that. Step three, like I said, I had, uh, you know, I, I was raised Christian. I, you know, believed in the Christian God when I came in. Over the last almost six years that has evolved and ebbed and flowed um, over time. But, you know, that was, that was good for that time. And, um, you know, it was kind of listening to that little voice inside me when I'm trying to like live in my own will. Uh, you know, that's that resistance um, that's there when we're just trying to force our own will on things and, and just not doing that. <laughs> that was kind of how step three went for me. Um, and, you know, over time, you know, you kind of keep doing that, keep listening to that little voice. It gets louder and louder. And then uh, it just kind of becomes second nature um, to, for that not to be like the first mode of operation. Um, so that was step three for me. Step four and five, I feel like people talk that up and make it sound terrifying. Um, but for me, it was like all stuff I already knew, you know, <laughs> it's like, and that's what I tell my sponsees now, where it's like, this is stuff that you already know about yourself. You know, these are resentments that you have and kind of getting them on paper is, this is the only way that you're going to, or at least the only way that I've found that, you know, I felt better about them. Um, and so, yeah, step four, it was cool. And because, you know, I had mentioned it my first time around, I sat on step four for months. I never completed it. So that was uh, something that was kind of like looming in the back of my head. Like, am I just going to be this like repeat offender of, um, sitting on step four and just like in and out, you know, one, two, three relapse, one, two, three relapse. Um, so, so when I finished that, there was this 
uh, more so a relief of like, oh my gosh, I'm done. I'm done with it. Well, the first one. I've done quite a few since then, but um, you know, I finally finished it. I didn't really have, and I know some people do have that like big, uh, like weight lifted off their shoulders. I didn't really have that with like doing my fifth step. Um, that kind of came with step six and seven for me, but you know, everyone's everyone's different. But so yeah, six and seven were kind of like the most pivotal steps in my sobriety. Um, I felt like that was where I saw the most change. Uh, you know, so six and seven, six is our, um, you know, being entirely ready to uh, have these defects of character removed. So kind of figuring out what my defects were with the help of my sponsor and, um, you know, and then becoming willing to uh, have God take them from me. Um, and so... During the time, those you know, few weeks where I was like really honing in on six and seven, uh, it was extremely uncomfortable. I <laughs> I didn't realize I had so many defects of character until uh, until working that. But um, but yeah, that was that was really cool because it was like some of my defects. I I thought I was the opposite of like I remember victimization was one of my defects and like for so long I thought like I didn't want people to treat me like a victim I didn't want people to pity me you know uh, but in reality like I that was one of my big defects um, so it was very eye-opening uh, kind of finding that out and and kind of you know learning to apply that contrary action when I did notice myself acting out in these defects of character. Um, so yeah, and and still kind of carrying that through to now, where it's like I feel like I I feel like I don't slip into them as much, but when I do, uh, it's I'm more aware of it now, and I can kind of catch it, and I'm like, oh shit, that's <laughs> I'm I'm doing that thing again. Uh, I can catch it and like nip it in the bud. So six and seven were really cool, my favorite steps of all time, um, and then eight and nine, my amends. Some of them were really cool. Some of them were kind of duds. Like, it's just, you know, again, another, like, double step, two steps that people kind of, like, talk up to be these, like, big... And that is, I'm sure that's their experience. I don't mean to, <laughs> to uh, talk about other people's experiences. But, um, you know, I, I guess I kind of, like, expected it to be this, like, big thing. And a lot of them, people were just... It was, like, almost, like... Uh, unsatisfying where you know maybe I just had a lot of like codependent people still in my life but I'd be like listen like I did all these things and they're like oh it's fine like you were just sick and I'm like yeah I was sick but also you know I completely fucked you over like you can at least get a little mad at me um <laughs> I don't know why I'm a masochist I guess um but uh, but yeah, so, and that's kind of been a progression. Like my financial amends, I was terrified of, uh, because I definitely suffer from like, uh, or, you know, have immense amounts of financial insecurity, but, um, but you know, that's just kind of come just at, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, uh, being able to make those amends. And I actually made an amends, uh, like in October. So, I mean, with like five and a half years, it was an ex-boyfriend that at the time when I was on step nine, it just like, didn't feel like it was the right time, you know? And I talked to my sponsor about it and, you know, prayed about it and all of that. Um, but I'm like, you know, working with sponsees and, you know, taking them through step nine and them being like, oh, like, you know, when did you finish yours? And I'm like, well, I still have one I need to complete. Uh, so doing it, it was weird, but it, um, you know, it was also that, it was like relieving in the sense of like, oh, okay, 
gosh, that's done. Cool. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, so nine, nine, I mean, it's, it's necessary, but it was, uh, not one of those like big, you know, triumphant steps for me. Um, but then 10, 11, 12, I mean, all of the steps keep me sober today, but 10, 11, 12 are definitely like the most, uh, emphasized, I guess, you know, 10 is that daily reprieve. Um, it helps me to not get a bunch of new resentments to put on a new fourth step. <laughs> uh, you know, it kind of catches me in those defects of character. Um, and I feel like all in all, it just helps me kind of like operate as a better person. Uh, so 10's great. 11, like I said, I've definitely struggled with um, uh, God, my conception of God. Um, like I said, it's ebbed and flowed. I've still like... I've kind of just stopped thinking about like what it looks like to me and more so just kind of trusting in um, like trusting in something, in anything, like just not putting a face to it or, you know, whatever. Uh, because yeah, you know, I think around like year four, I like realized I was like super indoctrinated. <laughs> um, so it was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? But, um, but yeah, you know, I've, I've worked through it and it's you know a big a big thing that I hold on to is just like going to meetings and it's you know I'll go to those meetings and I'll be walking through something like very specific and all of a sudden someone shares about that it's like what is that like that's not me that's uh that's got to be something like greater than me working in my life um and just kind of like trying to strive to be my ideal self uh you know not making myself my higher power per se uh, but kind of like ideal Tracy who like isn't real, you know, <laughs> where it's like, okay, like if I could be my ideal self, like how would I act? And uh, that's kind of, um, you know, what I fall back on when uh, trying to live in God's will. Um, and then 12 is, you know, I mean, gosh, I mean, we can, if you have an hour sober, you can help somebody with a half an hour sober. Uh, you know, it's, um, you can, this like how this altruism of AA or I'm sorry, HA is <laughs> getting so used to it. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's beautiful how it works, but you know, sponsorship was definitely like when I started sponsoring, it was kind of like this new level of sobriety and not, not above or anything like that, just something different. Um, and it's just been so beautiful seeing women, uh, you know, uh, like me and that like kind of like seeing that light turn on um, I actually had a sponsee take a year yesterday which was super super cool um, and just kind of yeah walking with them through it and kind of giving back what was so freely given to me um, has been just an amazing part of this program um, and yeah kind of like just what my life looks like today really quick like gifts of sobriety I mean like first and foremost I actually like love myself now and like myself you know I think uh, I think I always had like some love for myself even when I was using but it wasn't uh, you know I didn't act that way I treated myself like I fucking hated myself um, and uh, you know it, it took a few years to really like myself, <laughs> you know, I think I, I loved myself, but those few years after getting sober, it was, it was a little rough, um, but I can truly say today that I love and like myself. Um, I have two amazing dogs. <laughs> I'm in grad school. I, um, 
I am married to a guy who's also sober and we have like the healthiest relationship that I, I never could have imagined a relationship like this ever in a million years. Um, so, you know, and I have friends, I have like women and, and men too in my life that uh, it's just like the, the bonds that I have with them are just so meaningful. Um, they're, they're not just my friends because I have drugs or because I have a connect or, you know, whatever. It's like they're not looking for anything out of me and I'm not looking for anything out of them. Um, so it's just really cool. And I finally, like, feel a part of something like that. Like, whatever was, like, missing or broken before I ever even picked up drugs and alcohol, like, I don't feel that way anymore. And that is... Uh, just amazing. So um, if you're new, my advice would be to just hold on, you know? I know. I mean, it's like, I know you hear the cliches and it's funny because I, I remember like hearing all these cliches and being like, oh, okay, like I get it. Like it works if you work it. <laughs> but it's true. Like they, people say these things over and over again because they are very true. So just hold on and you can also never, ever get high again. Um, and that's it. That's all I have. Thank you so much.